This video is brought to you by Mint Mobile. Switching to Mint Mobile is the easiest way to save in 2024. Wireless plans are 15 bucks a month when you purchase a three-month plan. To get this new customer offer, go to mintmobile.com slash Merle. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the news with Dan. I've done a version of this show several times since I started the channel, but this is going to become a weekly fixture because we are paired up with Mint Mobile. So part of this show every single week will be taking your questions, and I'm excited to do that later on in the show. But I'm excited, first of all, to talk about a developing industry story, what we used to call one of those broccoli stories, but something that could potentially be consequential and is very indicative of the situation at Disney. Not what we see as moviegoers as far as the films themselves, the streaming, etc. But as far as the behind-the-scenes politics, what's going on in the boardrooms at Disney. And this is very much like a real-life succession. This is playing out like an episode. We just don't know quite how it's going to end yet. You may have seen some reporting in the media in the last few weeks about an executive tussle that's going on between Bob Iger and an investor at Disney called Nelson Peltz. Nelson Peltz is a billionaire who made his money in the food and drink industry. He founded an investment firm called Tryan Partners in the 1990s, and he's what's called an activist investor, which basically means that he sees a company and he and his group decide to invest in a company that they believe could be run better. Something that could be done to make it more efficient to boost that stock price so they would invest heavily in that company and then use that influence as big shareholders to try to change the direction what the company's doing, what its business practices are, just sort of streamline it to optimize profits. A lot of times that would include making his way onto that company's board of directors. And that is something that he's been trying to do at Disney now for well over a year. Peltz and his group bought heavily into Disney and in late 2022 with Bob Chapik as the CEO in his last days, he began pushing for changes within the company, including heavy cost cutting, reduced executive pay and layoffs to help the stock price rebound. He also, and this is very key, lobbied to have himself, Nelson Peltz, added to the company's board of directors. And to achieve this goal, Peltz began the early stages of what's called a proxy fight. If you've seen Succession, then you probably know what this is. If you want to get on the board of directors, you can go to the company first and say, hey, I think I should be on your board of directors. But if the company says no, then you can go to the shareholders directly and say, hey, I don't like how this company is run. I think that you, the shareholders, should elect me to the board of directors because I can go and make everybody's stock price go up. And that's what Nelson Peltz was doing. He was basically going to the shareholders and saying, hey, they won't give me a seat on the board of directors and I know how to fix this company, so you should put me on the board of directors. But Peltz also had a key ally in Ike Perlmutter, the former head of Marvel who sold Marvel to Disney back in 2009 and got a bunch of shares of stock in return. Perlmutter was the head of Marvel for the early days of the MCU, but there was a point right around Age of Ultron, where Kevin Feige allegedly basically said, I can't work for this guy anymore, so either you get rid of him and give me control over Marvel Studios, or I'm out of here, and Bob Iger demoted Ike Perlmutter. He basically said, you're not in charge of Marvel Studios anymore. That's now Kevin Feige's area. And it was Ike Perlmutter, reportedly, who delayed Black Widow and Black Panther because he didn't think that they were as marketable as other superhero films. There are a lot of stories out there 
about Ike Perlmutter, but there was always apparently some resentment there because he was demoted and taken away from the head of Marvel Studios. And so when Nelson Peltz came around and said he had an idea for some changes at Disney, Perlmutter, who was still an employee of Disney, even though he wasn't running Marvel Studios anymore, was reportedly directly pressuring some of these shareholders and some key investors on behalf of Nelson Peltz. He basically backed Peltz's play to get on the board of directors. Now, in early 2023, Bob Iger instituted a lot of the changes that Peltz had been pushing for, including cost-cutting and layoffs. All of the initiatives, really, that Peltz said the company needed to take, Iger was implementing, not necessarily at his direction, but because that's what seemed to be what the company needed anyway. And Peltz backed off. He said, you know what? I'm not going to push to be on the board of directors anymore. I'm not going to pressure the shareholders anymore. I'm going to be watching you. And I'm going to be watching the company, but I'm not going to keep fighting this fight. Well, not long after that, Ike Perlmutter, as part of the layoffs that Disney decided to do, was let go from the company. And many believe that it was partially as retribution for backing Nelson Peltz's play to get on the board of directors. Bob Iger said, okay, yeah, you want to line up with the guy who's lined up against me? Well, we're going to get rid of you. And this really just severed any sort of tie that Ike Perlmutter and Bob Iger already had or may still have had. Although again, there was not any love lost between these two by any account, but this really sort of hardened the relationship between these two even more than it already was. And then this past year happened. It's been a disastrous year for Disney. They took a beating at the box office. The streaming losses continued. The quality by many accounts was down. ESPN, which was a key asset for Disney, continues to hemorrhage money. There's basically not really any division right now that's going spectacularly well for Disney. The stock price, which was as high as $200 a share back in 2021, is now hovering around $90. And as the company kind of continued to languish and try to find answers to all of these problems. Well, Nelson Peltz has now reemerged and is making an even harder push to get on the board of directors and try to help turn the company around according to his vision. This time, Peltz reportedly wants multiple seats on the Disney board for himself and also others, including a former Disney executive named Jay Rusulo, the company's former CFO. Jay Rusulo left Disney back in 2015 after being passed over as the successor to Bob Iger the first time that he retired. There seems to be a common trend among Nelson Peltz's allies, which is that none of them like Bob Iger. So now Peltz is saying, I don't just want to be on the board. I want this guy to be on the board. And hey, I'm maybe want another seat on the board as well, because now the company's really in trouble. You instituted all these changes that I thought you should make, but you still haven't fixed the problem. Things are even worse now. And so we're really going to come in and try to fix it. Hey, I'm Andy Mitchell, a New York Times bestselling author. And I'm Sabrina Kohlberg, a morning television producer. We're moms of toddlers and best friends of 20 years. And we both love to talk about being parents, yes, but also pop culture. So we're combining our two interests by talking to celebrities, writers, and fellow scholars of TV and movies. Cinema, really. About what we all can learn from the fictional moms we love to watch. From ABC Audio and Good Morning America, Pop Culture Moms is out now wherever you listen to podcasts. And the proxy fight that was largely avoided in early 2023 seems to be on now with Ike Perlmutter saying that he's allowing Peltz to vote with his shares in the company as well. And Peltz announcing that he will go directly to the shareholders to ask them to put 
himself on the board of directors for Disney. Now this week, Disney won the public backing of a couple of key investors who are essentially saying that they stand behind Bob Iger and they're not going to get behind any sort of a shareholder vote that would put some activist investors on the board of the company. But this is really just another sign of chaos and disarray and the trouble that the company is facing right now. And even though you can line up some key investors behind you, that doesn't necessarily mean that all of the shareholders will agree when it comes time to decide who goes on the board of directors. So what happens next? Well, there's a few different options. One of them could be that Bob Iger and Disney say, we're tired of this fight. We don't want to deal with this anymore. And they cut some kind of a deal. Maybe they go to Nelson Peltz and they say, okay, fine. If you drop this proxy fight, we will put you and you alone on the board of directors. You'll get the seat. You'll have your say, but just stop it with this trying to take over the board with even more people. That's one possibility. Another possibility is that Peltz takes his fight to the shareholders and loses. He doesn't convince them. They don't elect Peltz or any of his other choices to the board of directors. And then the fight is just over and he gets nothing. He's basically rejected by the people he's trying to win over. Now, the option that's probably keeping Bob Iger up at night is the one where Nelson Peltz goes to the shareholders at their annual meeting this year and is able to convince enough of them to put him and his reportedly two other people on the board of directors. And now there are three activist investors sitting on the Disney board who are in direct opposition to Bob Iger. And let's say things keep going badly for Disney if those three board members can convince enough of the other board members that Iger shouldn't be CEO anymore, well, then he would be out at Disney before his planned retirement in 2026. Now, that's a lot of ifs, ands, and buts. I don't think that that is the most likely scenario, but that's where we are right now. The people inside and outside the management structure at Disney are desperately trying to find answers and ways to turn the company around, and we are at the activist investor phase where there are people that are trying to to supplant the current leadership and take control of the company. But if you're Bob Iger, I think that it's probably difficult to be in this position. I mean, he was really expected to come in and be the savior after everything that Bob Chapik did, which to be fair, a lot of that was implementing strategies that Bob Iger came up with. But psychologically, he was supposed to be the savior and yet things have gotten worse since he took over and the company's future is in doubt. I mean, what are they gonna do? What is the future of ESPN? Iger's trying to figure that out. The board is trying to figure that out. But this is a very annoying fly buzzing in their ear, and the buzzing seems to be getting louder. I miss Succession. I loved Succession. This is like a real-world episode of Succession that's happening, and unless a deal is cut, then it may come to a dramatic conclusion at the as-yet-undated Disney shareholders meeting, which is going to happen later this year. So stay tuned. There is another big story about Disney that's been in the news a lot lately. You've probably seen it, which is that the copyright for Steamboat Willie, the first big Mickey Mouse cartoon, finally expired and it is now in the public domain. And of course, as the copyright expired on January 1st, we have gotten a flood of knockoff projects trying to take advantage of the fact that Steamboat Willie is not under copyright anymore. Now, I should note, that doesn't mean that Mickey Mouse is not under copyright anymore. This specific version from this specific cartoon is what is in the public domain. The red trouser, oh boy, Mickey Mouse, that is still very much 
under copyright. And trust me, Disney will go after you. They may go after me for that impression that I just did. This is a very specific public domain case, but this is the version that people are trying to glom onto really and make a quick buck off of. And we had three projects that I could find that have been teased just in the last few days. One of them is a really horrific looking horror movie, and I don't mean that in the intended way, called Mickey's Mousetrap that I'm pretty sure is still going to run afoul of Disney copyright laws. This was obviously produced in anticipation of the copyright lapsing, and this thing looks like it's going to make Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey look like a masterpiece. We also have an untitled Steamboat Willie horror film from the makers of the knockoff Grinch horror film, The Mean One, which wasn't about the Grinch because they never said the Grinch, but was very much about the Grinch. And then there's a video game called Infestation Origins, which is a Steamboat Willie-themed horror game that was actually originally called Infestation 88, but changed the name of the game due to the number 88's association with Hitler and the Nazis. And let me tell you, Having to change the name, not because of copyright, but because of an unintended association with Nazism, was not on my bingo board for this whole Steamboat Willie copyright thing. This really annoys me, honestly. You'll notice if you saw my best and worst list for 2023 that I named Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey as my least favorite movie of the year. I thought it was god-awful, and it worked, and that's why you're seeing so many of this, because there is that sheer curiosity factor. But at some point, the novelty even of this is going to wear off. And, I mean, everyone just thinks they're so clever for doing this. They have to know that there's probably probably three or four more of these things that people are trying to get produced out there, but th that's just how it works. An idea like this, everybody's just trying to do their own version. They don't really care whether it's good or not. They just want to be first. So that's what's going on in the wonderful world of Disney. Let's talk about the wonderful world of the Mint Mobile Hotline, which is a new addition here to the channel. It's been great just in the past week to be able to interact with people that are calling in. And our first call is from a mystery caller asking about a show that previously appeared right here on this channel. Hey, Dan. I was recently watching your, some of your All My Movies podcasts, and I know they take a lot of work to go into them and don't get a lot of views, but I was wondering... Uh, would you ever think about coming back to them, even maybe one or two a year? Thank you so much, Mystery Guests, for asking about all my movies. It was, if you don't know, a show that I used to do back in 2020 and 2021, maybe it went into 2022, that was focusing on one specific movie every single week, and I would kind of do a deep dive, and I loved doing the show. The problem was that the viewership for the show just wasn't there in a way that would justify the hours and hours and hours a week that I spent on it. I loved what it was. I loved doing that deep dive. And if the viewership had been there, I would still be doing it right now. But, you know, every time I do a video or I do something here for the channel, I have to look at the time it takes and how much I get out of that time that I spend and decide, well, is it worth the amount of time that I put into it? Unfortunately, the answer on that was no. I don't really seeing myself in all honesty, going back to all my movies anytime soon. But it was a show that I really, really liked and a show that I'm very proud of. And if people do go back and listen to those episodes, I'm glad because I enjoyed what the show became, even though it took a little bit too much time for me to keep doing it. This last call is about something that is very personal to me and is 100% not really movies or entertainment related, but uh, I, I'm just going to have to ask you to indulge me here. It's about a, a recent heartbreak that I suffered, and uh, I will let Tyler take the rest of this. Hey, Dan, this is Tyler from Georgia Collin. Uh, I just want to say I'm a huge fan of the show, 
Anyway, my question, it's not movie related, but rather college football related. Um, so being from Georgia, I'm a big Georgia fan and was obviously, despite our success the recent years, very disappointed in losing Alabama and being left out of the playoffs. But I know you as a Florida State fan are probably even more heartbroken because it was absolutely atrocious what happened to Florida State and uh, being left out. So my question is, is are you still going to watch the college playoffs or are you just too distraught and heartbroken to even bear to watch another team compete for something that Florida State should have had the opportunity to try and win? Anyway, Dan, uh, thank you for all you do and uh, all the content you put out. I absolutely love it. Goodbye. Thanks, Tyler, so much for your call. And first of all, as a Georgia fan, I'd like to congratulate you on your bowl win. It was a hell of a win. And listen, you didn't ask which team was going to be out there to play. You said that you were going to go out there and play whatever team showed up. And, you know, you whooped our butts. I think it was the worst bowl loss in bowl game history. Uh, for people that don't know, I went to Florida State University. I'm a huge fan of Florida State. That right there is a Florida State football helmet. It's a game-used helmet that I got probably 15 or 20 years ago that has been in every apartment and on every set since I got it. And I watch Florida State every single year. I was there the year about 10 years ago when they won the national championship at the Rose Bowl. And if you don't watch sports, because I mentioned this on another video, and a lot of people said, well, what's going on? Basically, Florida State in the college football season went through the entire regular season undefeated. They went to their conference championship game. They won. It was an ugly win, but they won. And Florida State was one of three teams from major conferences to have an undefeated record. Michigan and Washington, who everybody agreed should be in. And then Florida State was the third. Now, in college football history, sort of one of the unspoken rules is that if you were an undefeated team from a major conference then you would get a chance to play for the national title unless there were too many teams that were undefeated. But here you had four slots, three undefeated teams, so Florida State should get in, right? Well, wrong. The College Football Playoff Selection Committee did not select Florida State to play for the national championship. They instead picked two one-loss teams, Texas and Alabama. And to answer your question, Tyler, it turned my stomach to see advertisements for the playoffs. It just made me angry to think about it. I did not watch one second of either of the first two playoff games that happened this year. I didn't watch one second of the Orange Bowl between Florida State and Georgia. I will not watch one second of the national championship game between Texas and Washington because it, this was really indicative of what I think is a much bigger problem that has, for lack of a better word, infected college football. The thing that I love about college football is that to me, it stood out from the NFL because it wasn't about money. It was about pride. It was about school pride. It was about your team. It was about your respect for your teammates. You'd go to a school. You'd be there for three or four years. You'd watch a player come up from a freshman to a senior, and you'd see them develop. And you really felt like they were playing for pride and for the reason that the game should be played. But it has slowly over the years been corrupted by, as many things are, money. I think that the College Football Playoff Committee 
picked Texas and Alabama because they felt that they would deliver bigger ratings and that they were more exciting games. They said that they didn't pick Florida State because our star quarterback got hurt, but that is a BS metric or a BS excuse, if you ask me. There's plenty of other teams that have had key injuries that have gone on to even win national championships within the past 10 or 15 years. They wanted to exclude Florida State because they just didn't want us in the playoff. They looked at our team and they said, well, we don't think that they're going to win. So they decided that we didn't have a chance to win and put two other teams in instead. That's not how it should work. And that's never how it's worked in college football. But they wanted the ratings and they wanted the prestige and they picked the two other teams that they thought would give them that. In addition, I'm somewhat disappointed in my own team because one of the reasons that we got rolled so badly playing Tyler's Georgia Bulldogs is that nearly all of the starters on offense and nearly all of the starters on defense opted out of playing in the bowl game. Some of them said they were transferring to another school, so they didn't want to get injured or they chose not to play. Some of them were going to the NFL draft and they didn't want to endanger their draft stock, so they chose not to play. And so basically Florida State was out there against a lot of first-string Georgia Bulldogs, a national championship caliber team, with our second and third stringers, and we just got absolutely demolished, embarrassed as a school on a national stage. And I feel bad for the players that did play. I'm somewhat disappointed in a lot of the players that opted to sit out of the game. And there are arguments that are made on both sides. And I understand those arguments. I just didn't feel like there was a whole lot of pride for Florida State. Or really, I didn't think that they were looking out for their teammates because they just let them go out there and get absolutely demolished. And it's all down to money. It's all down to draft stock and transferring to another university where you can do better. There's been an infusion of money into college football on a player level. I've always been in favor of compensating the athletes. I, I'm not one of those people that said, oh, they should never get paid. But I thought when they said that they were going to start paying college football players, that they were going to start paying the team, as in the team gets paid. The team gets rewarded if they win a national championship. Instead, they've done this name image likeness NIL thing where specific players on the team get endorsement deals. So the quarterback singular will get a car dealership commercial or will get you know a local restaurant or will get an even bigger endorsement from a bigger company or a specific wide receiver. And some other players don't get that. And now players are spending one year at a school and then next year another school will say, okay, well, we'll get you more endorsement deals if you come over here and you're going to make more money. So then they'll transfer over to another school and the next year they're transferred to another school. And it's basically just a miniature NFL. And college football to me has been systematically stripped of everything that I loved about it. This year really just underscored for me that college football is very much not the game that I grew up loving. And with every passing year, it looks less and less like the game. I honestly don't know how much college football I'm going to be watching in the years ahead because I just think that the game has fundamentally been changed. The networks, ESPN, etc., have changed it by very, very heavily influencing and basically uh, not making it any secret who they would prefer to play in separate games and who they think would get the best ratings. And I think that, that was a big part of why the college football playoff committee selected the way that they did. And I think that the players now have different goals than they used to. Uh, now that I have no viewers left because I've been talking about college football for five 
to 10 minutes. Uh, I'll just say again, Tyler, um, I am happy for you and your Georgia Bulldogs. That was a, a heck of a team. I think they would have put up a much better fight, uh, by the way, uh, against Michigan than Alabama did. I love that our team got excluded for, for quote-unquote poor quarterback play, and then Alabama went out and did what they did uh, against Michigan. Uh, but, you know, at the same time, the die has been cast. The precedent has been set. The playoff is going to expand. Uh, very soon, but I think that these issues are still going to persist and linger. And really, the changes to the nature of college football aren't going to be reversed anytime soon. Uh, so again, thanks to Tyler, my only remaining viewer. Uh, and thank you to Mint Mobile for sponsoring the hotline and also for sponsoring this video. It's the new year, and did you know that on average it takes about 30 days for a person to break their New Year's resolution? Well, it's time to break that cycle because if saving money is one of your resolutions, get started right now with a quick and easy switch to Mint Mobile. For a limited time, wireless plans from Mint are $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. That's unlimited talk, text, and data for $15 a month. So take your current bill and think about how much more it is every month than $15. All of those savings every single month could be yours, which will go a long way towards paying for that gym membership that you're definitely going to use this year. At Mint, all plans come with unlimited talk and text, plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. And you can use your own phone with any Mint mobile plan and bring over your phone number along with all of your existing contacts. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash Merle. That's mintmobile.com slash Merle. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash Merle. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. All right, before we wrap things up, I wanted to talk about a couple of awards season things. One of them is a pretty major change at the Academy Awards for the year's biggest hit domestically and worldwide, which is Barbie. Barbie had been submitted and it was assumed would be eligible for the Academy Award for Best Original Screenplay. But the Oscars reportedly have decided that Barbie will instead be eligible for Best Adapted Screenplay against movies like Oppenheimer and Killers of the Flower Moon and Poor Things. I actually think it's a much tougher category in Adapted than it is in Original. The strange thing is that the Academy and the Writers Guild have different rules. So Barbie reportedly will be competing as an original screenplay under Writers Guild rules and an adapted screenplay under Academy Awards rules. I don't know how this affects the chances for Barbie to win the Academy Award. Like I said, I do believe that adapted screenplay is a bit of a tougher category, but we'll see if that really changes whether it was going to win the Oscar or not. I personally think that I would still somewhat favor it because I think the Academy is going to want to recognize Barbie in a major category. But still, this was somewhat surprising to me because this late in the awards season, you'd think that these things would have already been fixed, the Academy, once again, has very labyrinthine rules that are shaking things up at the last minute. And we are in the heart of award season, so I wanted to give you a bit of a rundown of the next week when it comes to the award season calendar. On this Saturday, January 6th, the HCA Astra Awards will be held. I'm a member of that organization, and I'm very anxious to see who we decide to give the various awards to. Then on Sunday, the Golden Globe Awards will be returning. They're now on CBS. It's a brand new organization, so we will see what happens with those winners. I'll probably be doing
doing a recap of the Golden Globes right here on this channel on Monday morning. Then on Wednesday, we have announcements for the Directors Guild and Screen Actors Guild Awards. On Thursday, nomination voting for the Academy Awards begins. And then on Friday, the Producers Guild of America will announce their nominations. The Writers Guild has a delayed awards season calendar this year because of the writer's strike. So their nominations aren't going to be announced until March. Their awards, I believe, aren't going to be held until after the Academy Awards back in April. So that is one guild that may not be as instructive for the Academy as they may have been in the past. But as we've also seen, Barbie is not even in the same category for the two different awards. So it may not have been that instructive anyway. And that wraps it up for the news with Dan. Thank you so much for watching, especially the football part. And thank you to Mint Mobile for providing the Mint Mobile hotline and for sponsoring this video. I will be right here as always with award season updates, news updates, movie reviews, box office, you name it. Until next time, stay safe and I'll see you then. Bye. When facing a family law matter, it can feel like an overwhelming and never-ending court process. It's vital to know that things will look better on the other side if you hire legal counsel with the skill and compassion to help. It's Stangy Law Firm. We represent clients in difficult family law matters every day. Visit FamilyLawRepresentation.com to schedule your consultation. That's FamilyLawRepresentation.com. Stangy Law Firm, here to help you rebuild your life. Stangy Law Firm has an office in Wichita. Kirk Stangy, 120 South Central Avenue, Suite 450 Clayton, Missouri. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.